You're listening to the Ed Curation Podcast. We bring you stories from educational leaders about the instructional resources, practices, and movements that are reshaping learning. It's a little bit of social work, a little bit of science, and a little bit of passion. The most valuable resource is also their time. It just can't be wasted on fluff. But we have to be able to continuously poll our students and just give them voice. We have to pick texts that are totally going to push their thinking. Somebody had gifted me a uh, Sphero for just general, uh, you know, here's a present, you like this stuff. And I was in a classroom teaching and I just saw my students' eyes light up when I had brought this robot into the classroom. Um, I had not been using these kinds of robotics in the classroom. And I, when I saw that I had kids across diverse levels look at me, go, wait, I need that. I need, to, I need that on my desk. I need to see this. I went, I need more of these in my classroom. I didn't know I was missing it until it was there. That's Rabbi Tzvi Hametz. Tzvi is the Director of Education Technology and Director of STEAM and Innovation at the Melvin J. Berman Hebrew Academy in Rockville, Maryland. He specializes in helping schools K-12 to create frameworks and plans to incorporate maker education in their curriculum. He loves to tinker, and he's a Code Monkey ambassador and a Lego master educator. But today, he's here to talk about his favorite robotics tool, Sphero. Sphi is a Sphero hero, and he's joined by two other Sphero heroes, brimming with stories about how this resource has enhanced learning across all content areas. Here's Leah LaCrosse, a 25-year veteran currently teaching 8th grade science in Huron, Ohio, Leah is also a co-advisor for STEAM in her building. I actually uh, started using Sparrow back in, I want to say their first robot back in like 2014, maybe. Um, I am a part of the Apple Distinguished Educator Program, and um, we had the opportunity to uh bring in a set of 10 of the original Spheros into the classroom. And I had no idea how we would be working with them. I had used code with my students a little bit on iPads, but I had no idea that the Sphero robot would be not just a coding tool, but also this great engineering tool in the science classrooms. Um, since then, I've you know just used them in any possible way you can imagine. Joining Leah and Sphi is Michael Cullen, an elementary educator from Shaw Elementary in Tampa, Florida. Shaw is a high-needs school where Michael serves as talent developer, helping teachers focus on their instructional practice, specifically around technology integration in science and STEM concepts. I asked Michael to give us an overview. What exactly is Sphero? That's kind of a complicated question because (laughs) it's not just like one thing. Code itself is, is, in my opinion, very important, especially for starting off younger with students. Computational thinking, problem solving, collaboration, critical thinking. And what Sphero does is allow students to create the code, but then actually see a tactile product in the end. Some other programs, it's just kind of like you, everything's done on a computer screen and you put the code in, the computer does something. But this really allows students to move that into like this 3D universe that we live in and that extends and extends and extends into that problem solving engineering. So many different processes that really start kindergarten level and up. 
Got it. So can you say a little bit more about that? You said that it's super important to be introducing problem solving and computational thinking from a very young age. Um, why Why is it important to start young? I think from what I see, a lot of students, they get frustrated if they don't know the answer to a problem right away. So using code, using Sphero allows students to develop that level of perseverance. But then going to the computational thinking piece, students have trouble at times going like, okay, this is step one, this is step two, this is step three, this is step four. So then when they get to the end step, they already forgot what step one was. So having those processes repeated and repeated and repeated allows them to look at a problem that they're asked to solve and think about it logically and what would happen first, what would happen second, what would happen third, and be able to continue that process. You all work at a number of different grade levels. If you could speak to the kinds of activities that are the best, that are the that are ideal for working with each of the grade bands that we're talking about in terms of um, how to encourage that computational thinking and those problem solving skills. I'm working at a high school level. And what I love about uh, the Sphero, really the whole line is that you, you have built in scaffolding, both from a uh, structural content perspective, but also from the robots themselves. So A, I can differentiate, you know, I have, I have Spheros, I have Rovers, I have little bits, I have the gamut of tools in my lab. And when I have a student who's advanced and I'm like, okay, this kid can, can tackle using a Rover already, I can put them there. And they feel that confidence. If I have a student who's like, mm, I'm not sure, I can take them straight to a block-based coding on, on you know, the Sphero robot ball, whatever. And it's great, it's fantastic because that allows them setting the bar low, but expectations high allows me to really expect a lot from my students. And have you found any other resources that do that in the same way Sphero does? What I love is that it's all contained within the Sphero app. Okay. And that I can, one of the, one of the other things that we strive to do at, at Berman is that we wanna give kids as much autonomy, students as much autonomy. And you don't get that if you can't be a self-directed learner. So what I can do is I can say, these are the projects you're tackling. Here are the challenges you're tackling. And you can find a resource within their app in a way that I haven't found in other, in other solutions. Leah, can I just throw that same question toward you? Yes, I was, um, I was thinking specifically of um, the, using the Bolt robot. And the Bolt is uh, the robotic ball, but it has, the, um, has like the LED screen and it is jam-packed full of sensors. The, the robot itself is not only super durable for eighth graders, like, I mean, it, it, it's a tough robot. It's, it takes a lot to, to mess them up. Um, but it also has a, a versatility that I don't find in other robots. And I have used Lego Mindstorms in the classroom. I use drones in the classroom. So um, I have, you know, experience using a bunch of different coding vehicles. But using the Sphero um, products, not only is there that great curriculum development that's already out there, but the, the robots themselves have just such versatility. I mean, they can even use it to sense the light, the ambient light in the room for planning our planting of potatoes. We use it as like a motor in our engineering challenges. So like the robot is basically the motor for their 
um, creations that they build. You just set it on top and that that robot becomes like, you know, the motor for it. Or we've also used them, you know, to explore coding and explore other content areas. You can use them from fall to all the way, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a great um, versatile product. It sounds super flexible. And maybe like your students are finding applications for it that you didn't even envision. Yes. Yes. And so it also sounds like you can really apply it cross content. I would say like, um, one of the best examples I have of this is um, my students actually use the robots to simulate earthquake and seismic waves going through the planet. And for most people, they hear stuff about like earth science and they're like, boo, <laughs> it's like not the most exciting content. But because the kids are using the robots to model earthquake waves and they're learning about coding, they're learning about seismic energy, they're also learning about all of those things that Michael mentioned, the persistence, the teamwork, the grit, you know, those all come together in an experience that they're going to remember that before they remember like a video that we watch. I approach it from science, but I have, you know, pals that are in English language arts that use them in storytelling. So it sounds like you get a lot of bang for your buck too, just resource-wise, right? Yes, yes. Michael, what would you add as far as applications for your grade levels? So my focus is on K-5, and uh, I'm a science nerd, just like Leah is. And uh, there's obviously so many different applications within science. But what I really like about it is it brings a level of engagement that some other platforms can't. So even things like Scratch, Scratch is like absolutely an amazing product, but when I've compared students' reactions to things like Scratch and to Sphero, Sphero, they, they choose it one, 100 times out of 100. I remember doing a lesson with a, a first grade class and they were working on their doubles. And so what I was able to do was instead of just like holding up a card that says one and then the students say the double of one is two, they actually um, have a random number generator within Sphero that uh, I edited to make it only go to the numbers that I wanted it to. So they would shake the robot. The robot would verbally say the number. It would show up on the screen. So the students are seeing and hearing the number. And then they have to say the double of whatever that number is. Then they would pass it to their partner. Their partner would then do the same thing. So the, just that level of engagement, even at an early, early age, is really, really effective. So it sounds like maybe you have some success stories around students who aren't typically the math, science, STEM lovers being able to pull in and engage those kiddos. At, at a high school level, I had a student who, she's a phenomenal artist, like out of this world. And um, she didn't care for the, basically the rest of schooling. Math, science, just was not her interest. She's like, I'm going to be an artist. This is what I'm going to do. And, you know, luckily we have a great art department, but she also needs to do, you know, other, other classes. And um, she was in a, an engineering class and she was struggling and she picked up one of the, I can't remember if it was a 2.0 or, or, or both. And she said that she had seen online somewhere uh, that she could paint with this and she wanted to experiment. She wanted to see what she could do. Um, going back to Leah's point about them being very durable. I said, sure, go ahead. You're, you're not gonna do anything bad to this. And she started coding and writing uh, lines of code that were pretty complicated uh, and being super comfortable in our engineering class because she was able to use them in, through the medium of art. 
So how, so now, now my curiosity is super peaked here. How did the sure. robot paint? Uh, she would dip it in paint and then she basically had built uh, a big area. I can't remember what it was, huge area on the floor where she would then program it to drive around. To make the line. And she started simple. She started simple, first the line. Then she said, let's, how complicated can I get? And, and what was beautiful is she started to create a computational thinking model that she didn't even realize she was doing, right? She's like, okay, I can do one step first. Then, oh, I want to do uh, an arch. Oh, I can do an arch and a line. Maybe I can make a smiley face. Mm -hmm. And she went to that. And then she went to thinking, uh, she had just taken a class about the abstract art and Jackson Pollock. And she went, oh, I could, I could recreate Jackson Pollock pieces with, with my robot. And yeah. she, she loved it. And I, I think that at the end of the day, her parents got her, I can't remember if it was a, a Bolt or a Rover for, you know, her birthday. And she's still at it. She, I think, is now in college studying at the intersection of art and engineering. That is such a beautiful example of STEAM learning, you know, and how the juxtaposition between two content areas when it comes together really enhances the learning for both the technology and the art. I love yeah. it. Her, her math teacher had said that she actually had woken up in math class for the first time, not physically, you know, metaphorically, right. because she was trying to figure out how she could then parlay the math class into 3D modeling and rendering because she wanted to understand the full scope of how she could apply math and art. She brought a couple more kids with her uh, and so I didn't have to do anything. I was hands off. I let, I let the exploration of the robot do the work. She became the evangelist. I can't help thinking of Steve Jobs' premise that genius lies at the intersection of technology and liberal arts. He was quoted in The New Yorker in 2011 talking about the success of both Apple and Pixar, saying that technology alone is not enough. It's technology married with liberal arts, married with the humanities, that yields us the results that make our hearts sing. So just for to clarification for our listeners, there are several different robots available through Sphero, and the Bolt is kind of more geared toward middle school, but can be used in high school as well. Then the RVR is specifically kind of for, for it's the more advanced or the more technical geared toward high schoolers. Michael, I know that you work through with the kindergarten through fifth graders. What is, is it the indie robot that is most commonly used for that grade level? Well, so Indy, I don't think is out to the general public, but okay. um, just from what we're seeing is uh, very promising for that kind of like pre-K through two because of its simplicity yet complexity. And again, getting back to the students solving problems, critically thinking, collaborating with their peers, Indy's going to be really, really great for that. So Bolt has been my main focus uh, with my third through fifth grade students that are kind of really my core group. And going back to the success story, I just remember we like kind of when you start with Sphero, I think like mazes is like the number one thing that most people do. It's like mazes 101. And I like to give students parameters and you usually write up a story or something that goes along with it. And they have to include these specific parameters. Not every maze is the same. And I, I just distinctly remember 
this one student, I mean, I think we were on three weeks of mazes and we were going to move on to something else and she hadn't completed her maze yet. And so uh, I gave them their new task and she came to me and was kind of upset. So I was like, yeah, what's going on? And she told me, I didn't get a chance to finish my maze. I was like, oh, that's okay. Like, we're just going to try this next thing. Don't worry about it. She's like, but you know, I started, like, I really want to finish the maze. And I was like, okay. So while other students were working on a different project, she was still working on her maze. I think it was two more weeks after that. And I just hear this like elated, just scream. And she's a third grader. And I turn around and she has her hands up in the air. She's holding her Sphero. And I said, like, what happened? She, and she told me, Mr. Cohen, I completed my maze. I completed my maze. So I was like, let me see. So she put it down It went through again. And I mean, just the sheer accomplishment that she had on her face because she didn't give up was just, it reminds me why I do what I do. And it really holds true to Spiro's kind of main like mantra or hashtag is beyond code. It's those moments where kids actually surprise themselves. They didn't. Those moments of, I did not know I had this in me. Um, exactly. It's, it seems like such a little small snippet of success, but that thing right there could develop a passion for learning. Mm -hmm. It can increase their attendance. It can decrease behavior issues because I work a lot of, like I said, low socioeconomic, high need schools with students that don't have a lot of experiences. So for me to be able to provide them with diverse learning experiences is extremely, extremely important for the demographic of students I work with. I just want to echo the, the idea that, you know, students really have a connection to these robots. And I mentioned I use 3D printers, I use drones. They don't look at my drones the same way they look at the bolts and the rovers. They personify them, they give them names, um, and actually their interest is automatically piqued when they know that's a part of, um, of the learning. When we went into remote learning, they were so sad that we weren't going to be able to do all the engineering projects. Um, one of the students actually emailed me. They're like, I'm just so sad that we don't get to use the rovers. And I'm like, wait, we can, like, you can send me the code and I can execute the code here. Um, so I went to the school and I grabbed robots like crazy, brought them to my house. I also have chickens. Um, they were designing a chicken feeding system that could be placed on the rover and driven around the backyard because they wanted to see the chickens chase the rover, which again, they're middle school. So like understanding that right away is important. And so like even a horrible experience for them, which is remote learning, horrible for me, like it seemed like our robots kept us connected, which I know that sounds kind of silly, but it really, that. yeah, it, it did. And I mean, who doesn't love watching chickens run around the yard chasing robots? You mentioned, Leah, that you have some ELA teachers, English language arts teachers who are also using Sphero, that, that teachers are using these cross content. Some of these educators, and I'm one of them, I have an ELA background, don't have a background in robotics, don't have a background in STEM or engineering. And this can be really complicated and seem really daunting and a little intimidating. And maybe to some of the parents out there too, who are like, wait, what? You're doing robotics with my kindergartner? Um, what would you say to those people who have that kind of hesitance around STEM or around robotics and engineering? I did have some language arts teachers that were kind of timid and they're like, but what would we even do? I would say to any teacher what I said to them, which is, 
just play with it yourself for a while, because I feel like once you have some sandbox time with it and you actually, you know, your content best, once you use the product and use these um, robots, you'll get some ideas on your own. But then also we just went and looked at like the Sphero EDU website. There's just so many ideas out there that they were willing to try some of the ones that we found. And Michael's right. It's it, um, the, the maze is kind of like the gateway activity. <laughs> Pilot it with just, you know, one of your classes. So um, I want to echo something that uh, Leah, Leah said that I, I actually have a dedicated rover for my teachers. Um, and I send it home for the first part of the year. I'm like, I want you to take it home for a week. And this is before our, our engineering, the robotics engineering that we do happens in the second of our trimesters. So like the kids aren't using it yet. And I, I don't want them to think about any content. I said, just, I need you to play with it. I need you to get it in your hands because this, you're going to learn the same way our, our students learn. And the, invariably I have teachers come back and say, you got those little bits? Can I see those little bits? Can I build something on top of here? Because I just had an idea. My teachers who end up figuring out how they can integrate this are doing it because they've fallen in love with it themselves. And are these teachers, are some of these teachers have no coding background at all? With the exception of our science department chair, none of my teachers have coding background. The platform is scaffolded well enough that a a complete newbie can jump on, can drag and drop some lines of code and block-based, you know, coding. And that and that's what's great. Even the rover, which is the most advanced, you know, you you can handle it. Anybody can handle it. I've had my four-year-old playing with my rover. I handled things a little bit differently about getting teachers exposed to it that were really cautious. And so for me, being a leadership role at the school, I would go to teachers and say, hey, I want to try this in your classroom. So I've had relationships with them and they see it. They see their students' interest and engagement with it. Then they want to do it. So I remember working, it was either kindergarten or first grade. And they said, well, how are you going to do this? Especially in ELA. How are you going to do this with my ELA students? I said, well, what are you guys working on? Well, they were working on numbers and words or words and letters and around that point. I said, okay, watch this. So Sphero has the ability to, within their app, select the type of code that you want to do. So you have like really complex JavaScript code, then you have kind of in the middle block coding, but then at the early levels they have where you can just draw and the robot will trace the pattern that you draw. So we had students writing their letters on the screen and then the robot was tracing out that letter and they could watch the robot move. And it was just so awesome just to watch that robot move in the letter A was so powerful for them that now they started seeing how the students reacting to it. So I can meet with them more, plan more, model lessons to even get them more comfortable with it. It's almost like that gaming reward that you get, that that kind of energized feeling that you're affecting something, you're making something happen that goes so far beyond just, okay, now let's sit and practice your penmanship, right? Yes, exactly. And it sounds like from something you said earlier that you can, that people can just buy these for themselves to have, right? It doesn't have to be a, a classroom or a district or like maybe a homeschooler or somebody who just wants a pet robot. <laughs> and I'll chime in on that. So when I first fell in love with Rover, I was uh, the head of science in a, in a previous district 
for elementary and I was at a, con- at a like conference or whatever. And I saw it and I was like, Oh, what is that? And immediately fell in love. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take this to my kids. I started with one, then two, then three. And I just, I bought them myself and, and I had allocated funds to be able to like personal funds to be able to do that. And it was, it took a while before I even got as many as I needed. Cause I wanted about 10 um, because I was doing clubs and um, usually you pair. So I did, uh, you know, 20 students and it was I always had 10 boys and 10 girls. Cause I definitely want to expose girls to computer science, but yeah, you can just buy them. I bought, I mean, I got them from Sphere. I got them from eBay. I got them from so many different places because I was trying to piecemeal this together because I saw the value in what it offered. I'd love to hear you expand a little bit on how, um, what kinds of outcomes you've achieved with students that maybe you weren't seeing with other resources that you had used? Um, when I was going through school to get my master's, we had like a capstone project. So a project that you had to do. And so I did mine on the effects of computer science and students' perception of their problem solving and um, perseverance and those types of things. And so I wasn't sure if I would get the outcomes that I, like what I wanted. So what I did was I did a Likert scale survey with the students before a 10-week coding program. And then I did the same Likert scale with students, their teachers, and their parents. And across the board, all students in grades three through five had an increased perception of their ability to solve problems, their ability to persevere, their ability to critical think. And it was, it was, it was actually mind-blowing that it wasn't just like this academic performance. It was self-motivation. It was self-confidence that was really developed within students. I get this. I didn't grow up with technology. It's not part of my collective consciousness like it is for my children. In fact, I didn't even have a computer in college. So when I can fix something on my computer or make technology do what I want it to do and perform a function of almost any kind, I feel a little bit divine. Like there's almost nothing that makes me feel smarter or more powerful. Call me crazy. Anyway, on to Leah and her student outcomes. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, along with eighth grade science, like earth science not being everybody's favorite topic, another topic or area that I teach is heredity and genetics. And for some students, just the terminology genetics makes them come out with a a cold sweat because they're like, oh my gosh, I don't think I can do this. So um, I've used uh, the Bolt robot in activities for students to learn about like dominant and recessive alleles. I had just set up a very simple code for the students where they would um, shake the bolt and it would give them either a dominant or recessive allele. Um, and they used the, um, the random fun activity that we were doing to build a monster based on like what their um, combinations were. And so uh, an activity that may have been more of a paper pencil activity was done with, you know, something that was just full of laughing and giggles. And, you know, it, it was just a really hands-on activity that if you would have asked those students a year or two later about, they would remember, oh yeah, dominant, it looked like this on the screen. And then this is what we did with it. So um, again, it's, like the long-term data, I mean, you could probably look at test scores and look at like our state achievement tests and, and see some, some spikes there. I found that the 
outcomes of them laughing in the classroom and just enjoying genetics when previous years, most kids were like, oh my gosh, has it been 40 minutes? Can we leave now? Um, I didn't see that. So the, you know, the, the nature of how they engage with the content was so much better. I mean, you're talking about bringing in components of social emotional learning, right? When you can enhance a student's experience with some content through collaboration and through positive emotions, they chain intellectually to that content through their emotions and it, in, it increases memory. I mean, we know this, we're learning mm -hmm. this with our big focus on social emotional learning. To speak to that and to um, bounce off something Leah said before, um, you know, how they, how students name their robots. So even at a high school level, they're still doing that. Our, our guidance counselor actually took note of it once. She, she stopped students in the hallway because they were very concerned about the health and well-being of Reggie. And the teacher didn't, she didn't know who Reggie was. And, and she, she came and she was like, does anyone know who this student Reggie is? And I said, who is talking about Reggie? And she said, oh, well, this student and that student. I said, that's their their rover that's their rvr that's their rover that's not a person and she said what are you talking about they were like really concerned i said yeah the the battery had malfunctioned and we had to get a new swap a new battery out i said it's fine it's gonna be okay and she was like shocked she's like the empathy that they were able to muster she's like i'm going to capitalize off of this in our next like advisory session we're gonna we're going to debrief about this. I went, that's great. I said, that's exactly, you know, something we're looking for as, as an outcome to, to take it beyond just the pen and paper, right? You don't empathize for a worksheet. It's never, it's never been my, my uh, experience. I'm absolutely in love with that story. You just told it. So good. Um, and I can really see them doing that. Because, you know, teenagers, it's all about drama. Can you guys um, talk just a little bit, just briefly about what has been your experience working with the company? It's, first of all, nothing but positive for me. They are one of the most kind of in-tuned, personable group of people that I've ever had the chance to work with. And the fact that they give us this opportunity to collaborate, collaborate with other educators around the globe that have the same kind of passions that we do, just speak testaments to what they're trying to accomplish. Yes. And <laughs> I would go ahead and add on to that, that, um, you know, the support team at Sphero is your support team for their robots. But then, you know, I've had um, just examples of some of their team members reaching out and and applauding something that my students have done that is not at all related to Sphero. You know, like we publish something on our Instagram account or on Twitter and, you know, they're reinforcing that and then they're remembering it in conversations that we have. Um, so they're cheerleaders for students and, and teachers in all directions. And I, I love that part. Um, and I do also appreciate the fact that they connect, you know, teachers together. Um, sometimes you can be in a very isolating situation. I'm the only eighth grade science teacher in my district. Um, and with the Sphere Hero community, I always feel like I have people that I can bounce ideas off of, ask for help. And the, the Sphero team is there to just keep that fire going. They want to see you excited because it, it, you know, they know that these students are, these are the people that are our futures. So I've actually, I've been using Sphero for a while and I had one of the early Sphero's, not 
it didn't even have like the one before 2.0, right? And this was a gift that someone gave me. I wasn't an educational technology director. I wasn't anybody. I was just a teacher who had a toy in my classroom and I reached out and they immediately found a solution. They were on top of it. And what's amazing is they're almost unreasonably reachable. Like I can get to somebody at any hour, at any day. Who should check this out? What educators should be reaching out to, to Sphero to take advantage? Everyone. All of them. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> so really any educator, any content area, any grade level. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 there really is no limit to what the robots that they have, the program that they have that it can do. No limit whatsoever. I think that with any teacher, pre-K, college level, you know the curriculum, you know what the standards are, you know what you have to teach. You can tie this robot into every single thing that you do, every single thing. There's almost a solution at every single price point, right? Like if you're not sure, get a Sphero Mini. It's not a trim, like you can get one of those. And as you build both your confidence and student interest, you grow it. So there's there's almost, there's almost zero risk to try it out. We're all going to need help getting our students re-engaged this fall. And when you're talking about integrating STEAM and coding across the content areas, it sounds like there's just no better tool than Sphero and their lineup of robots. You can find them at edcuration.com. Go to the Sphero page and click the Connect to Vendor button to start that conversation. And while you're there, check out our Certified Ed Trustee program, which allows you to test drive all kinds of great resources like Sphero and so many more. You'll also find our micro-professional learning explorations free to educators, and they include a printable certificate for professional learning hours. If you like this episode, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us to help reshape learning with the Ed Curation Podcast.